Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new Process Mining Cafe. Uh, today I'm here with Rudy uh, and we have a guest, Alex Czegermuchin. Hi Alex, hi Rudy. Hi, hi everyone. Hello. <laughs> Now, before we start with today's uh, Process Mining Cafe, uh, we have an exciting uh, announcement for you to make because we are currently working on the new Process Mining Camp, right Rudy? Yeah. Process Mining Camp 2024. It's going to take place on 13th and 14th of June uh, and it's going to be really special. So we wanted to already briefly tell you about it. As you know, since 2012, we are doing Prost Mining Camp as an annual community meeting uh, where people share their stories, share their experiences. And what I really like about the camp talks is that, yeah, there's no, um, you know, they don't pretend or try to be something special you know, special or something like that. They really talk like it is. So they talk about how they have applied process mining, what was difficult and what they have achieved. And um, yeah, look at all these different use cases. And you can actually watch the videos from all the camp talks uh, back to 2012 on our process mining camp website. So of course we are doing this also again this year, but this year Uh, we are even going to do more camp than ever. It's going to be, yeah, I think the best camp ever uh, because we are really taking more time. That's the thing. Eh? So if you have kind of just a coffee break in between talks, um, it's, um, yeah, you can talk with one or two people, but then again, uh, the program continues. And so this year we are really going to have uh, two full days in which um, you can meet everyone. So the goal is that afterwards you have talked with everyone at uh, this year's camp. And after the, it starts right after the practice talks, we are going to have discussion groups of something between up to five or eight, seven, eight people at the maximum, where you are put together with people who have a similar background or similar interests. So we will look at use cases like customer journeys, Lean Six Sigma auditing, and so on and so forth. And in these discussion groups, you can yeah, really connect and discuss um, yeah, what the, the problems are, the challenges are. And uh, afterwards, we share what we discussed in these smaller groups with the whole community. And we continue the discussion throughout the whole evening, right? So there's, a, um, yeah, there's an evening program that goes until late at night. And then on the second day, uh, we are yeah, really going deep. Right, Rudy? We have workshops and very special workshops. Um, yeah, so because we have a full uh, second day of workshops, we can go deep and we can kind of focus to bring your process mining skills uh, yeah, to the next level. And so we have three workshops and the idea is that each workshop flows seamlessly into the next. So we start with a data workshop uh, and this is based on... Uh, Uh, yeah, on uh, on a case where you can really experience to get the data right. Uh, so learning new things to unlock new opportunities uh, from the data and getting it even closer to kind of the ideal data set, uh, which we often kind of regard. Um, in the second workshop, we focus on the analysis uh, and then practice on a real life data set to test your skills and, and to learn new, new tricks. And then in the final workshop, we take a step back and develop best practices as a community together and then also go deep here to put everything into perspective and kind of break it down to yeah, the best ideas which you can bring home to your next project. 
right? So we really we really go deep and make it really practical so that yeah, you can really um, apply everything right away, just just like Rudy said. And um, yeah, so, so Alex, actually, you were at the last Pros Mining Camp, right? So um, how, how was that? What did you like about it? Yes, indeed, I was. That was uh, my first experience, actually. And uh, you say it was nothing special. It is nothing special, but I think it's quite different to many other uh, vendor uh, presentations or workshops I've been before. It is a very friendly atmosphere. It's very uh, interesting community of people, you know, hands-on people, different audience, different level uh, of participants. Uh, but I think uh based on our conversations with everybody which we, which we did have quite a lot and a very nice opportunity to socialize to communicate with each other uh everybody appreciated that everybody found uh something relevant for them regardless of uh which phase of process mining journey they are themselves or their companies and uh, you know starting from very basic data set uh, applications and the Obviously, Rudy and the team, you are very knowledgeable and you always come with tips and, and tricks which we, you know, which even experienced people can benefit from. Uh, but also, uh, yeah, it's just uh, all the way down to business applications. And we've had ni very nice presentations from from uh, real use cases in the companies where people uh, delivered value to the to the business uh, which was which was really insightful yeah, that's really great, great to hear thanks yeah. a lot so it's 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 going to be exactly the same we we will have presentations but we are also really yeah having the time going to have the time to really connect and uh, and practice together yeah nice looking forward to that <laughs> I, I think i may book uh, as soon as i can yes yes so you should all uh, yeah re regard uh, record the dates in your in your agenda 13th and 14th of june um, yeah, and you can um, follow us on LinkedIn, check the blog, sign up at the camp mailing list to be notified. Okay, so um, yes, so we, we are really excited about that. We think registrations will open uh, next week or something like that. So stay tuned. Um, yeah, so now let's come to the to the pros mining uh, cafe today the topic is uh, hr processes so hr stands for human resources and um yeah before we go into the topic i just want to remind you that you can talk to us while we are uh, on the air uh, if you're watching this right now um, just below you see um, the option to join the chat you don't need an account you don't need a password you can just type your name and enter the chat and then you are there and we keep an eye on it and um, we pick up your comments uh, and your questions along the way so um yes so human resources processes um maybe to, to get started, Alex, can you talk to us a little bit about yeah how what's your relation to uh, HR processes? How do you know HR? Yeah, it's uh, really interesting to find myself um, talking about HR and <laughs> pretend that I'm an expert in this domain uh, because my, my background is in finance and I've been a finance person for the biggest part of my life and my career. Uh, being a financial director in, in, in the Russian business and then doing financial transformation for one of the big uh, multinational FMCG companies, uh, implementing different ERPs and uh, always focusing on, on finance processes, you know, like invoice processing, procure to pay, or to cash, all, all that report to report, of course. <clears throat> and uh, then at some point, uh, 
I, I decided to shift uh, the domains. Uh, I still stayed with the same big company, but moved across into HR because they, they've embarked on one of the most ambitious transformations, transformation journeys at that time, implementing Workday as a core HCM and a head management uh, solution. Uh, and as well as changing the operating model, uh, adopting the loop model, uh, implementing shared services and things like that. Quite a big transformation, a lot of exciting stuff happening, a very big learning opportunity for me. Uh, so that's where I've uh, changed changed sides. Some people, you know, depending on whom you talk to, finance people will, t- will say that I went to the dark side now. What's the, what's the biggest difference? What would you say is the biggest difference if you would compare uh, HR with finance? Yeah, it is very different. Uh, well, obviously, you know, the object is different. Voices are different to people. Uh, but that kind of has a, a lot of knock-on effects. Uh, the complexity, and I, I couldn't uh, appreciate the complexity of HR processes, um, to be honest with you, because I was used to, yes, it, it is difficult to harmonize and uh, standardize the way you process different vendors. They will have always, you know, different, payment terms, the invoices will come, you know, before or after the date, you know, late payments, things like that. Uh, but still, uh, y- there are certain rules you can follow, and, and uh, there will be a lot of uh, standard steps, and the process, therefore, becomes uh, pretty straightforward and streamlined. Not, not, not identical, obviously, there is uh, quite a lot of scope for improvement and standardization, uh, but nowhere near as complex or diverse yeah. as HR, because... In HR employee, we are all humans, we are all individual, and never mind the country, you know, within one country, within one team, everybody who is involved with that would, would know we're all different. We have different family situations, we have different contracts, different types of engagement with the company, different roles, different skills. Uh, you know, the, the, our family situation will drive different benefits we're entitled to, uh, which all inputs payroll, the way we, uh, we are getting paid, then we will have you know, different uh, absences, different absence types, eligibility rules, uh, you name it, right? So, so, so you're uh, saying the finance processes it, are it more standard, very, right? And then the, the HR processes, there's, what does it mean exactly? Does it mean that there are a lot of different processes or are there variations in the same same processes? Or Well, it depends. Uh, it depends actually on uh, the structure, how you, how you approach it. Uh, and, and I think it's both, really. Uh, the, well, the complexity of, uh, I, I don't underestimate the complexity of, obviously, of uh, finance processes, because everything ends up in, in finance, and depending on your definition, you know, payroll, this is a classic example, is it HR process or is it finance process? Theoretically, it could go to finance uh, in, in, in many companies, it does. In some companies, in some countries, it's finance, in other countries, it's HR. Uh, but let's not go there. Uh, the, I think it's the degree of, uh, how far can you drive standardization within one spe- specific process? Degree of variation, which is just natural, which should be expected uh, from the process, which should be baked into the process. It's quite normal, for example, um, benefits entitlements. Uh, that's uh, that's that's a given, right? So they, depending on the on the uh, dependence a person would have, they may have uh, separate separate allowances uh, or different. Uh, different different type of compensation that the grade comes in, and then the, the uh, you know the different uh, longevity with the company comes in, and the combination of, and the intersection of, of it all 
gives you a very unique uh, object of the process. Mm. Uh, therefore, the rules uh, are naturally going to deviate. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And, and if you look at the development um, over the last years, right? So if you look at HR and if you look at the change of the process, because it's a human process, right? But uh, on the other hand, a lot of these processes, um, especially from an employee perspective, need to be more self-serve, right? So they want to have this information almost immediate yeah? and it needs to be quicker or and the onboarding process needs to be faster, being able to move or transition to a new role. So so how do you see the change of these processes in the, in the last couple of years or the last 10 years, for example? Oh, yeah, well, uh, I think it's everywhere. The self-service adoption, is, as you say, well, not adoption, but service as, uh, as a way to update systems, as a way to interact with the uh, with process uh, is, you know, increasingly popular here for, for, for multiple reasons. Uh, quite a lot of people do prefer it these days because uh, we are getting used to it. whatever we go with, uh, I don't know, our bills, uh, with our kind of flights, booking systems everywhere, you would, you would you are used to much more um, self-service ways of working. Uh, therefore, you expect it from the from the employer as well. Uh, there are there is an efficiency angle from the company perspective. The less uh, HR employees have to do for for the employees, uh, the more the, the less people uh, HR function as a function needs, and therefore it becomes mm-hmm. more effective or efficient. Uh, but from the other hand. And, and, yeah, there are a couple of other di- di- dimensions to this, I guess. Uh, one is employee experience, uh, because the employees touch so many uh, so many points uh, w- within the process uh, and actually interact with the system quite a lot. Uh, it does form part of your employee value proposition. It does form the, uh, the image of the company. It does improve the uh, employee experience as such. Yes, of course, there are uh, you know, benefit entitlements, the... Uh, the workspace environment, but it becomes a factor. Uh, the way the process is configured in the systems and the touch points with the systems becomes uh, and can drive uh, employee satisfaction or dissatisfaction, for that matter. Uh, I, don't, I, I cannot imagine that somebody kind of decides to quit the job because the, the system was not, <laughs> was not ideal. <laughs> yeah, not really, no. <laughs> the pay and the, the compensation, the reward, the, uh, obviously the, uh, the ambitious job or the relations with the manager and the team and all these factors of course are outside of the process and they're much more important but the the experience the user experience uh, interacting with systems uh, becomes an increasing part in that another angle sorry please no, yes. another one uh, which has a practical uh, application to the to the way you improve processes is that because of self-service, of degree of self-service, and because uh, employees become such an integral part of, of pretty much every process, they, uh, even if uh, the degree of employee self-service is not huge, uh, they still have to kind of interact with the process because process is about them, right? So they need to confirm that even if somebody does it for them, they need to confirm that the information input is right and, and things like that, right? Th- that means that uh, you rely on, on discipline of people who are not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, who don't necessarily see it as an objective. Uh, the classic examples would be uh, data updates, uh, you know, the personal data maintenance, and they, you know, which drives data quality. Uh, everybody wants uh, their data to be checked every year, but it's really hard to, to make employees to go and do this in the system. Uh, they, they're not really motivated. They don't 
really care that much unless you act proactively drive it and uh, uh, try, try to, to, well, not force them, but motivate them to do this. Uh, this, this is visible everywhere and wherever uh, you analyze the process flow, uh, especially on less critical processes, not, not termination or higher, where everything is pretty streamlined and uh, usually quite, quite timely, but on some other, like giving feedback and, and, and small things, whenever uh, certain steps go to employee, they, they may sit there forever because the discipline of employees and the motivation of employees to interact with this process may not be just there, right? And, and that's a, that gives an interesting angle to, to process improvement initiatives and process mining. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and especially for, for HR, I think it's, it's interesting, right? So we see regularly uh, a use case, a process mining use case, specifically in HR. Um, but somehow it's not the, the top use case we see quite frequently, right? So there's probably a reason for this. And it would also be interesting kind of to learn today uh, what are the things what make it maybe sometimes quite complex also in this particular domain to to get get some good results, right? So that's, yeah, it would, would be good to take and drag that along in, in, in this session. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what we are going to to do today. So we are going to look at um, yeah two examples for HR processes from a process mining perspective, how you analyze them, and we are going to show two approaches: one approach as a bottom up approach, and another approach as a top down approach. And uh, we will talk through through them. But yeah, so it's, I think it's really interesting what you mentioned before. It's like in a way, if we're looking at human resource. HR processes, there is a customer. So the customer is the employee, right? So it's a kind of not the, yeah. the typical situation. And yeah, it's kind of an internal process. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's also one that is touched by every employee is has something to do with HR, right? So, so that's, uh, I think, in that sense, a very central uh, function. And also really, like you mentioned, we we see there's some changes, right? So um, it depends also maybe on the situation of the company. So you gave this example of how the hiring process can change, right, in a different climate if you're looking for people compared to if you have a lot of applicants, yeah, right? Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, so the environment attributes, of course, can change, which change the process. And, and of course, legislation as well. But you also see that, of course, in financial processes. Yeah. But it change, it can change quite quickly what kind of legislation you have. And then you need to adopt these processes as well. For example, uh, some kind of new arrangement requires sometimes to introduce a completely new process, right, from, from scratch. Yeah, or, or indeed the deviation within the process can be legally driven in some mm. countries. Uh, well, the classic example we have is the uh, the background checks, which are based in the oh, UK yeah. now. Uh, the, these are mandatory in the UK. Well, you're based in the Netherlands. They are forbidden in the Netherlands. Yes. Right? So you do them legally. Uh, so you have to for privacy reasons, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, privacy reasons, uh, of course. Yeah, and, and it's quite a different rationale here, right? So, what you focus on protecting the business mm -hmm. and making sure the business knows the, it's like uh, know your customer, know your employee, know know everyone, make sure that um, you comply with all the relevant, you know, regulation. You don't employ. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and that's to the, just to uh, jump in. So that's a, that's one of the reasons why why it's so complex, right? That we have these variations in different countries, right? Would you say that's one of the the main drivers for for those variants? Yes, yes, yes. Of course. And uh, again, quite a lot of uh, compensation and benefits and taxation is driven by legislation. Mm -hmm. uh, and country to country is very different. Uh, 
obviously Netherlands is, is, is one of the more complex ones, uh, but everywhere in the world it's uh, it, it is different, importantly. Somewhere more complex, somewhere less, but it's different uh, in, in pretty much all jurisdictions. And, and uh, it drives, uh, if, if a particular pay is uh, included in, in the final payroll, well, you, you need to map all the way back to the, sometimes to the employment, right? Because, you know, aiding dependents, for example, if your tax allowances or uh, pay com- compensation allowances depend on the number of uh, your dependents, which is quite often the case, or the age of those dependents, well, you need to make sure you capture it you know, as early in the process as possible, so that, that impacts the, uh, the data entry in the, in the process. Yeah. Yeah, and another angle is is also HR doesn't operate alone, right? So they often depend on uh, other parts of the organization as well, right? So the manager of the employee, of course, needs to approve certain things before they they can kind of make sure that everything is arranged in the back office of it. Um, and, and that makes it also difficult that it depend on, on other people in order to to yeah to do their work in the best possible way, and that's not yeah it's not not always easy to to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting you call out manager because this is another uh, self service element, yeah. uh, another self self service mm-hmm. aspect, which is uh, which is brought into the model. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a number of roles which can interact. Uh, you know. People manager, sometimes budget owner from a financial perspective, uh, plays a part in the quite often whenever it touches the money, whenever it touches compensation, budget owner is going to be involved. So it's quite a number of roles um, which, which can play yeah. here. Yeah. And the, the, the drive towards uh, self-service is therefore also multi-dimensional, uh, not, not necessarily like in finance, for example. In finance, you only have uh, budget owners as approvers really, and then that mean people doing the uh, doing the preparatory work yeah. for, for yeah, so another great yeah. example is the onboarding process right while in on onboarding certain things needs to be arranged to have that account available and sometimes it can take weeks right but if you if, if you have your first day you want to be able to log in into your account otherwise you cannot do anything right and and then you have that's the dependency right, on right. the IT and as well right so everything needs to be arranged your yeah. account needs to be set up it needs to be activated when you are getting started but if that's not done uh, or if you are the exception that is, you were hired yesterday and you want to start tomorrow, for example, uh, does that work yeah, out? Yeah. yeah, quite quite a lot of the downstream impacts. Uh, uh, and uh, depending on how complex uh, the integration with the URT systems is, uh, sometimes uh, I've seen that, that the you know hire process or the user setup in HCM in, in headcount mode in, in uh, headcount management module drives uh, security roles in other systems as well, which is. Obviously, then uh, people use uh, this module as a system of record, as true true information about the employees, about people who join the company. Therefore, uh, all the roles are assigned uh, automatically uh, in, in all the downstream systems. Yeah. Therefore, it becomes crucial, uh, particularly with uh, higher job change. Uh, we call it join and move reliever. Uh, so whenever people join, move within the organization and change roles, therefore the security setup may change, either usually higher when they're getting promoted and they get more access, but sometimes the uh, other way around. And termination being the other ultimate example, where upon termination, you, may, you want to make sure that all the system access is revoked uh, and, and all the procedures are kicked off in time, right? Yep. 
yeah, maybe while we are talking about the different types of HR processes, we can take a little step back and take a bird's eye view because um, you told us, uh, Alex, that one of the frameworks that you like to use in your work in general, not just for HR, but we can use it to look at HR in the context, is the APQC framework, right? So we uh, we brought that here. It's a, it's something that you can, it's freely available in the internet, Um And it's a yeah, it's a framework that classifies processes. So you can see the start page, but it's basically yeah, it's um, uh, on the top level there are 13 different types of processes, right? As you can see here, and you can see uh, HR, uh, human resources. That's basically the seventh. Um, and then so yeah, so there there are these. That's the, the high-level view, but they're worked out in more detail. So, for example, if we look to the HR processes, then we see underneath they're worked out uh, up to four levels deep, right? So processes um, that fall under HR. So what do you like about the APQC uh, framework, Alex? Hey, thanks for introducing it. Uh, and, and this is this is one of my favorite uh, tools or frameworks, uh, which, which is... One of the main advantages is freely available and being uh, promoted as a tool to be used uh, by everyone. Uh, there are paid services which uh, which can come on top of, uh, of this, but uh, out of the box, you can still get quite a lot of uh, value and benefit by, by adopting this. Uh, the In a nutshell, obviously, this is a taxonomy, right, which goes down to a level, it has five levels, uh, all the way to, to level four and level five activity level. I think it goes category, uh, process group, process, uh, action, and step, or something like that, or task. Memory, but, uh, the, the key advantage, of course, is the uh, uh, it, it looks at the organization as a whole, so it's cross-functional, uh, and uh, many of you who have worked with, uh, the, uh, with, the, with the organization as a whole would know that functional split is, is always just a one way of looking at the organization. It's, it's quite important to go back to end-to-end -end process view. So where, where does it start and uh, where does the specific process end? So what was the final outcome of this process? Mm -hmm. uh, and this allows to just adopt a, a, well, a collapsible. You can, you can go uh, zoom in and zoom out. Uh, from level uh, zero to level four, or level one to level five, uh, and uh, yeah, make sure that you don't lose anything, right? So, in, in particular examples, which I, I think we will show later on today, uh, particularly with the SAP example, uh, Rudy, right? Uh, a system captures some of the processes, uh, but but by far not all. Yeah. Uh, therefore, uh, it, it is important to recognize that other elements uh, are still there. And when you, when you engage with the business, uh, you may ask, well, wh where are all those remaining parts of, of, of this process? Uh, are they being picked up? Are they captured in another system? Or are they all manual? Or how do we uh, approach them? Uh, and quite often, uh, in order to get to this end-to-end -end view, you do need to... Uh, to add some more information you to join multiple systems and they try by the way uh, another complexity overall i think is it's much more um atomized in terms of uh systems used uh because of such a diversity of processes and touch points yeah. and course user experience uh, and uh, you know, there are many more kind of niche tools which are being adopted by the same company yeah. uh hcm as a core uh, usually is, is one big system and uh, usually they they you know everybody would try to link uh, benefits uh, to it but then you start talking about say performance management and learning and development uh, and quite often they, they would be all 
in different in, in different systems uh, yeah. these joint pulse yeah. Uh, finance and, for that matter would we'll try to consolidate as much as possible in one yeah. system yeah but that's the nice thing also about a framework like epiqc right that uh, it tries to standardize how people can talk about these types of processes in a system independent way so you can use it as a communication tool yeah. i think that's the nice thing yeah. about it exactly and gives gives a big picture as well yeah, yeah. so it, it's sort, another, sort another of a reference framework right okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. and, and is it is it dependent Indeed. on a particular industry? So sometimes you see that these reference frameworks are only used. Oh, there's one for supply chain, for example, oh, okay. right? Uh, score. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they would have uh, as well freely available uh, industry specific uh, several for, for several industries. Uh, I tend to work with the uh, cross industry. They have a cross industry, the most uh, generic mm -hmm. one, because uh, that's uh, uh, one of the biggest advantages with um, with APQC. It suggests metrics. Uh, with many of the processes, uh, wherever you can measure something, it, it already suggests uh, some metrics, mm. and you could get benchmarks okay. as well. Yeah. But that, that, that's that's not free service. Uh, that you probably have to pay for that. Uh, but but that's where you get a lot of benefit as well. First of all, you, you start measuring yourself uh, again and understand the trends, and you can always uh, contact APTC as the body who maintains this this framework, uh, and it, it is widely adopted. I think. Uh, I've seen a study, uh, it's 70% of the businesses choose to go with a PQC framework uh, these days as a starting point, of course, mm -hmm. it, get, it gets customized, and the, but I think especially in the, on the lower levels, yeah. uh, and indeed it quite often depends on the system, so your level 4s and level 5s will be driven by the system setup quite often, not necessarily uh, in the same way as, uh, as it suggests. Yeah. So for those of uh, you who didn't know it yet, uh, it's, it's good to know. That, that the system is out there. So this framework is out there, I mean, for, for your own use. Um, and you mentioned these these systems, right? These different systems. So we, we wanted to look at some use cases. And of course, these systems, um, they record data. Uh, so you can do process mining on them. But yeah, so, I mean, we already talked about the, the complexity and the, all these variations. So yeah, we can already imagine that this is also coming back to us. Uh, when we're looking at it from a cross-mining perspective. So sh should we move into our two, two use cases that we wanted to, to share? That's good. Yeah. So, yeah, we start with a, with a bottom-up bottom uh, use case. So maybe, uh, really, do you want to uh, guide us through? Yeah, so, so we have brought an example, right? So this is an example from an HR department who uh, is completely supported by SAP HR. Uh, in this particular example, the whole department uh, performs proce processes for SAP HR, and these are only the processes done by the shared service center, right? So some kind of they have some kind of standardization so they are they don't include the, all the one-off processes um, so the case id here is a request done by an employee um, we have an activity that happens so in this case it's the workflow step uh, so there are several steps as we will see in a, in a moment and then uh, we have uh, a timestamp of course and this uh, case it's the timestamp has the meaning comes available in a working bin to be processed uh, and then we have a column four and that's the name of the process right so it's named the process mm -hmm. being processed and the column five which we have here is the number of the employee 
Right. And, and this is exactly the link eh, where we can see it back to the framework. Like Alex, you mentioned, there are all these systems. So this is basically coming from SAP um, HR workflow module. And so here we see some names for processes, basically, but they're system specific, right? So, and this is, yeah, Alex, what, what you mentioned before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Uh, but you can also see that some, some processes are in the system, but obviously quite a lot of them are not. It's just a subsection of what happens uh, in employees. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So really what we are doing here now in the import, right, is we are having the detailed steps in each of the processes, but also we take the process name also as part of the activity name because we want to get the full picture of of everything in this Uh, HR Exactly. So the first scope of this particular exercise is to get an idea. Should I import it? Yeah, of course. Uh, To get an idea of what the, the, the HR department is doing in the context, right? So it's not that we already dive in into one of these processes, but it just give, gives you a holistic view of all the work uh, that is being done by the HR department. And it yeah, looks overwhelming, that's, that's right? That's the holistic but, view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's actually, it gives you kind of uh, the full oh. sequence of all the processes. So if you slide over a bit, you can see all the different processes kind of side by side. And you, you see that the dark blue uh, processes kind of pop out. And these are the processes that happen most frequently, right? So if you look at frequency or... Yeah. Um, yeah, we can also pull down a little bit, right? Yeah, so if you pull down the activity more. slide a bit, even a bit more, and then you get kind of the the key the key processes from a volume perspective that are being uh, executed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We can also see it, I think, in the statistics, right? Because if we look at which processes are frequent, we see that here actually the uh, reimbursement processes yeah. are really. Like, yeah. Frequent. Yeah. Um, so should we focus on those yeah. maybe to zoom yeah, in a little sounds... bit more on the reimbursement? Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, so for that, we can add a filter and then mm. yeah, focus on yeah. only reimbursement. Yeah, all three of them. Yeah, so I'll make a copy. And so, so now if you look at the map, so... And if we zoom out and if you pull up the activity slider, then from the context of HR, we are now focusing only on these three processes, right? Reimbursement, other expenses, reimbursement, car travel, um, and, and another reimbursement. And you can see that the left process has less volume and the middle and the right process has most volume, right? Because of the coloring, yeah, the mm-hmm. dark blue. Uh, gives gives away that there is most volume, right? So if you want to change something and look for the biggest opportunity uh, of the work, yeah, then we want to look at volume, right? So that could be a principle. I right? uh, assume that that's the principle. Right? There are other ways, but we will see that uh, in the second path. Um, so if we zoom in into these two processes, then we can see which one they are. So it's yeah, it's two reimbursement, right? So re- other reimbursement, other expenses, yeah. and travel, car travel expenses. Yeah. So. so if we want to make a selection, one other view to take is if we consider time being spent, right? Because in this particular scenario, to give some more context, the the ambition was to implement some of these processes as STP processes and to straight, yeah, straight through processes, so yes. that they don't take a lot of time for these individual resources. 
completely from the idea of self-service, right? So if people can self-serve, yeah. then uh, you have to spend less time. Uh, but you Yeah, and we talked about self-service already. So that's kind of a typical yeah, scenario, yeah, right? That yeah. people are rolling out. Yeah. Yeah. So if we select these three processes and now kind of focused on these two, then we can take a performance view and then take a look at these processes and to find out where time is being spent. Yeah, so we changed the performance view yep. and we can see yeah, overall really clearly it's in this one place here. Yep. Uh, so that would mean we should look at the other expenses processes because there really we have the yeah, the big um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so if you go back and let me explain what what you didn't see, right? You see the total duration, and eh? so the total duration here means total time being spent, right? So it's an accumulation for all the volume which you see in the process as kind of one number, which looks weird, right? So this is uh, thirty nine point four years, but it's all the time being spent waiting for all of these employees, right, at that given point in time. So that's the biggest opportunity for both of the processes, and it's very significant right because it's a thick thick arrow you are drawn to it but if you add your secondary metric then you can see the kind of per employee uh, 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 measure so we get a secondary metric and now it's five if you zoom in a bit five five point two days five point two days and so so that that on top of the volume kind of gives the the conclusion that maybe that's one of the better processes uh, to look at when looking for uh, opportunities to improve. Yeah, so we could, yeah, based on volume, maybe they're comparable, but in terms of time, this is where we can really make a difference. So that's why we choose the other expenses process. Yeah. So let's zoom into that other expenses. And yeah, so now we see the details. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Here, so right? from the full context of everything what HR is doing, we are selecting now based upon criteria, right? So and the criteria under debate, eh? so that's how you select the process, but uh, it's volume and time being spent. And now we can take a look at the process. And if we zoom in, then we see something that's quite obvious for this process, especially if you look at the top. And maybe if you set it to median duration, it's even more obvious. Everything is instant in the beginning of the process, right? So it doesn't take any time. Yeah, so an employee submits something, in this case, the reimbursement, and then it goes through a couple of steps already immediate. And that means these steps are automatic. They are done by a system. They got a data. They save the data into the SAP HR system. Uh, they check which status it should have. And then eventually it prepares to go to the next step where yeah, uh, someone from HR or his or her manager need to evaluate the request uh, and then approve it. So if we change the, the metric to, uh, to median or average, then we see these red arrows. And of course, these are the places where one of these individuals is involved, right? Or at least the person. Um, yeah, so it's a mix. Eh? So we have a lot of automated steps in the process, but there are also these steps where the yeah. human... Humans are involved. And of course, yeah, these are the steps that we are really interested in, in analyzing from a prosumating perspective. We are not too interested, right, in these kind of automated steps because they're automated already. So Yeah, yeah, it also depends on the use case. But in this particular case, if you if you look yeah, at, at yeah. time spent and uh, <laughs> and you and individuals, right? And if you want to ST, uh, if, uh, have this process as STP as possible, 
yeah, then you are looking especially at these places where uh, where someone is involved. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and we also see the overall uh, statistics. So if we go to the um, just to look at the case duration for this other expense process, we can see indeed that the total time is median 4.9 days or yeah. uh, 5.6 on average. But yeah, so so as a next step, right, really, we are we want to to analyze this, and that's usually what we see when we do this bottom up approach, which is what we are showing now. We start really with the raw data from the SAP HR system, and we in a bottom up way analyze it with process mining, choose the process uh, which we have done. But now, also for this process, we have to go one level higher to really be able to analyze it on the level that you think about it from a business perspective, which, yeah, involving the human steps, which you want to maybe organize in, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And for this, we are using a different data set where we have um, created a mapping basically to these human steps, right? The ones that take time that we just mentioned. So we have created this additional column here, activity, which you can see has also a lot of empty places in those steps that are basically automated steps, right? So these are the ones that we didn't map, right? Yeah, yeah. so it, you can you can kind of see it as an uh, as the business process, right? So if you look at the business process, then every uh, step where there is, uh, which is done at the same time by the same resource is considered to be a step, right? So all of the things that happen at the same time or are done automatically by a system are not considered to be a business uh, yes. business process step. And that's kind of what we are doing and here, right? To, to create this mapping, right. yeah. Exactly. And we keep the detailed step in there, but we keep it just as an attribute. Yeah. And we make um, our new high-level column, we make that the activity yeah. name. So we, by doing that, we lift the process to the higher level. And if we import it, we can see... Yeah. And we can see what we get. Yeah. And in and, and um, this step, and it's maybe good to know, it's not only by looking at the process map by pointing out the, the, the waiting times there, right? So you need to validate also this mapping with the domain expert. So uh, what kind of role was this? Who was involved? How can we call this step? And then uh, you can make this mapping. And if this mapping yeah. is complete, yeah, was, then... You, yeah. uh, exactly. Sorry. Yeah, there was also a reference model, right? Which we didn't show, but yeah. which was used to uh, to validate the mapping. Yes. Okay, so now we see a lot of empty ones. Yeah, so the first. empty activity is, of course, the automated steps. So we don't want to look at these automated steps. So we just hide them. Uh, keep selected. And now we want to focus on only on the complete cases. So you see some of these cases have a, a low frequency with the uh, with the starting point, right? So you see the dotted lines going to the activity directly. And these are considered to be complete cases. So this process should begin with fill-in request and it should end mm -hmm. uh, either at process automated or handle manually. Yeah, and this is now the baseline yeah. for process automated, uh, for, for process other expenses. Yeah, and, and now this this is then the process, right? So from the context, we bottom up kind of re-engineered the process to get a view of the actual process, right? So it almost looks the same if you compare this with their reference process, but you already see some deviations. You see that it's a little bit more complex. Um, and from this reference point, you can ask yourself the question, what, where is the opportunity here to, to improve the process? Yeah, what we see is that almost every case goes through this control step yeah. um, it, by the HR employee, uh, yeah, employee right, who's checking yeah. the request. 
Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, so this is almost a 100% check. Yeah. 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 So this is something they, they wanted to change, right, Rudy? Yeah. So if you look at performance, now you can see the impact. So if you, let's take the median here, then you get kind of an idea of what kind of delay is caused, uh, caused by this. And so especially if you look at the outgoing arrow from control request uh, to uh, process automated, and then you see the, the top opportunity there in the years, but uh, underneath you see the median um, duration or the average duration in this case, which is 5.1 days. And so the timestamp here means it comes available in the working bin. So it takes time for the uh, HR employee to pick it up from the working bin to start working on it. Then they complete the activity and then push it to the next status. And that's kind of what you see here in the outgoing arrow. So it takes 5.1 days yeah, from pick up to processing to the next activity, right? So if I do a reimbursement uh, for the payment slip, it could be that it will be processed in the next payment slip and not the current one. Um, and that's what you, you know, what you want to prevent uh, in this particular example. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yes, and so the, the nice thing about this example is that they changed the process and we actually have the before and after. So that's what we can show also as the last step, yeah. right? So let's look at the, the change. So that's the third one here. So again, we import the process with the, yeah, the, on this high level, on this kind of business level that we want to look at it. Um, and then once we have imported the data, we have to do the same two cleanup steps again, removing um, and having the right start activities. And for this, uh, we're using the recipes, right? With the recipes, you can actually kind of reapply filters from, from your project, or in this case, um, yeah, we just reapply the, the same baseline. And let's see what we get then. Yeah. So we pull up 200% and yeah, now we can we can use the animation. Yeah, right? animation is it's quite nice. So it's kind of a special scenario here. So they agreed to complete all the cases, redesign the process. So they redesigned the process and they agreed upon to start fresh on Monday. So it, 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 there are not a lot, whole lot of scenarios where that happened, but in this case it happened, right? So, so yeah, really it's, before, it's yeah. empty, right? So they have really completed all and the work and on now Monday, Monday yeah. the news, new work starts. So yeah, you can, if you go back before the change and after the change, you really see... Yeah, the change of the bottleneck. Yeah, so they all... What was before yeah, and if, now you, if you know theory of constraints, they, you know when you take away one bottleneck, <laughs> it appears somewhere else and you physically can see it here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, so the if we yeah, we can focus on the, we can zoom out to the after process right to see the effect of that. I think then it's becoming even clearer. Yeah. And for that, we can apply yeah, a time frame filter here, just focusing on the after the after yeah. process after change. You can already see the big difference, right? So the graph which you see in the background here is the work in progress, and so yeah. the work in progress drops significantly, almost one third. So yeah. yeah. So this is the process afterwards, yeah. where you can see now it's yeah most of them go directly uh, automated, so they're not going through any manual steps. And then there's let's look at the percentage. Some of them have this sample check, right, which is a new activity. Yeah. And it's in Dutch before. there. It's called stake proof, but it's sample check. 
Yeah, 12%. Yeah. That's the yeah. yeah, the second at the top. So 12% is being checked. And of course, there are a couple of cases which are above a particular limit, right? So they go on the right side to the manager. So that didn't change. So that was also in the original process. Uh, but in mm-hmm. addition, they check uh, a certain percentage of cases to relieve uh, the control. Yeah. yeah. And we can see, if we look at the statistics, we can see the difference. So now, yeah, you can see it's basically a fully automated yeah process yeah, right where you have 60 yeah. seconds median yeah. 15 hours mean so if we compare that with uh, the baseline before um yeah so there we had 4.9 days yeah. median and 5.6 days yeah. yeah so that's really yeah so so this is i think shows nicely right how you can go f- in this bottom-up way from the raw data from the system um yeah get it to the level on which you want to analyze it and yeah do quite some some meaningful analysis from it but it's, there's also some limitations yeah, right yeah. you're you're looking at it in the scope of the process yeah so, um, so maybe to, that you've yeah, chosen. To, to frame it this was a particular exercise which was done in weeks right so there was the pressure was on they want really wanted to make some progress here so they yeah they made, they made some extra assumptions right so also in where to look at what are the key metrics here uh, and so they went with this really practical approach. And so, and you can do this, but you have to be aware that there is something else that you are missing when you are doing this. And I think that's that's interesting to yeah, to look at the approach with Alex took because the he really frames this. If you take this approach, what you are missing and yeah, an alternative which you can take. Yeah. 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 So exactly when we were to, sorry, please yes. I think it's a very nice case, and uh, it's very nice to see it before and after, and uh, you know, uh, really demonstrates capabilities of the tool really well. Uh, uh, but it, as, as I guess you point out, through the uh, people knew what they want to achieve, and they knew you know a specific intervention they wanted to kind of almost, almost use, right? And uh, uh, went on and implemented it and made made a nice clean start. Uh, that's not always the case. So and quite often, people don't even have. A reference model they don't even know what the process should look like or why they're doing things in a certain way and uh, that's where i tend to usually start yeah. and, uh, and the situation is of course quite yeah. different and i think i think that's really the case because here they had a clear business case already up front where process mining was not even in the picture right and so they had this solid business case they they wanted to to make sure that they were heading into the right direction but i think one of the challenges within hr is that this question is not always clear from the start, right? So you have to create this question or have to create this clarity up front uh, to, uh, yeah, to create value with process mining. And this is often missing, right? So then, yeah, you want to use process mining, but you don't know where to use it for uh, in the HR department. And yeah, that's that's often missing. So I'm, yeah, I'm interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, and another observation, uh, another observation, of course, is this particular case is, um, is aimed improving efficiency, uh, which is obviously just one of the use cases. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Kind yeah. Of, uh, the the uh, process improvement framework, which which I'm operating towards, uh, has kind of four different dimensions. Uh, efficiency is one, but then compliance yeah, is course, another big yeah. one, and uh, a strong one in HR, obviously, because of uh, necessity to adhere just to legislation. Uh, that's where the automatic steps, which you almost kind of excluded, 
because they're not relevant for efficiency improvement, they may become very important yeah. as well, just to make sure that they cover all the steps, you know, all the processes that they do work and they do work seamlessly. But the system usually is configured to, you know, make sure it sends an update to say IT, for example, which could be an automated step. But you want to make sure that it's, you know, 100% coverage, so that it happens and that it happens at the right time in the process, right? Uh, another dimension, so that's the efficiency, uh, the compliance, the business uh, outcomes, obviously, is, is a big one, of course, uh, which is, you know, time to hire, for example, uh, time to fill the role uh, is the usual one, uh, payroll kind of uh, timeliness and payroll and things like that. The uh, the fourth dimension, which we mentioned in the beginning, of course, is the user experience and the touch points and the optimization of that. Employee uh, journey, if you wish, and uh, quite a lot of uh, companies do pay much more attention now to optimizing that and making it a, an, as nice as possible uh, experience, yeah. which goes hand in hand actually with the, the operating model. Uh, we've touched upon self service, uh, but then uh, they all kind of inter, inter, interdependent, all these dimensions are independent, and of course, the operating model. Uh, and the degree of self-service, uh, as we said, we, we have uh, employee journey uh, and employee experience uh, aspect to it, but it will also have efficiency experience and cost to deliver, of course, because the more you can push towards uh, self-service, the less resources you need. And then uh, whichever resource is delivering or doing the task is also important. If it's an admin, uh, HR employee, if you wish, or functional employee who is doing the, the, the task, uh, usually they are much lower paid, sometimes they are outsourced, sometimes uh, you know, they didn't share services and duplication, things like that. Whilst some activities you you dedicate to HRBPs or kind of business partners, uh, center of excellences and things like that in line with the operating model. Yeah. Uh, and conformance to that is, is, is another interesting aspect to be looked at. Yeah, yeah I think that's a really good point. It's like, um, yeah, that... That's, I think, one important ingredient by taking this other perspective, right? What we have shown is the bottom-up perspective, but now we are switching into this top-down mode where you're really starting from the top and, first of all, thinking about the goals. Like, what are the main goals? What do you want to achieve? And like we have said before, um, yeah, there can be all kinds of scenarios. For example, we had the example of the hiring process in different situations where if you have a lot of applicants or if you have a real scarcity and, you know, want to pe bring people in, there might be very different goals, like what you want to achieve with this process. So, so yeah, that's kind of an important element of the top level view, right? Alex said you just highlighted conformance, performance, like what are the things that you really want to improve? And there it's really beneficial to look at the whole spectrum and maybe looking again at the processes that you have in HR, you know, which are even the important processes. Really, we have selected just based on volume and, yeah. and performance, yeah. right? But what we also did, maybe we can show that just as a last piece here, in the original data set which we imported, we have seen that there's a lot of different processes and here we we selected based on performance, right? But we see that there's um, yeah 27 different processes uh, in the data. And we also asked Alex to to map it, right, Alex? So you did map that for us to APQC. Yeah. Uh, so should we should we yeah. show that just yeah. to see where we ended and up? And interestingly, uh, the process you chose, the, the reimbursement, is actually considered by APQC terms as a finance yeah, process. That's true. Yeah, 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 you're right. Here it's at the bottom, <laughs> reimbursement, all three are not even in seven. <laughs> in, they're in nine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, this is interesting, right? So 
now with process mining or the exercise, the bottom-up exercise, you really look at uh, uh, doing the right things, right? Uh, of doing the things right. But now you want to evaluate if you are doing the right things, right? So the things which you are doing are, are the, these things yeah. that you should consider doing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we ne we mapped it here for the the processes we found in this um, SAP HR system. But uh, Alex, you also brought us, um, yeah, for another system. So one common system people often use in HR is Workday. So you also you did the same thing, right? So you did a mapping of all the Workday processes to to APQC. Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, I, I usually do, uh, engaging with the customer because usually we look uh, across the entire system, and uh, Workday is you know is broad all the systems are broad now i think the uh the processes which you show uh well they're either um kind of uh, quite uh aged, better word from from a legacy system uh because sap now these days uh, is also kind of a, uh, across the main system right and it could have uh, actually processes it could have uh obviously as it's it's an erp logistics uh, it would have a charm module as well success factors is another one we, we deal with. Uh, and the same way Workday uh, goes across, uh, functions across, uh, across the mains, and we have uh, finance processes, uh, HR processes, and, and things like that. Uh, important as well to go back to, to these definitions that, yes, we do call the process, the mains, HR and finance, but they may actually be performed by different functions in the business. And uh, this, this is a, a matrix arrangement uh, quite often Uh, as in your example, the uh, HR department does what is considered the finest process, right? And they spend quite a lot of time on finance. Well, as I mentioned before, payroll could be considered finance, could be considered HR, organization, uh, uh, wherever the function reports. So, yeah, APQC does give you that. And, and, and you, have, uh, you get the ability as well to consolidate, uh, not necessarily in uh, Disco, I don't think it's possible that we use other kind of uh, analysis tools, of course, outside of that, and, and you can consolidate and, and quantify effort spent or time spent on all the way up to level zero, for example, and, uh, and therefore you can see uh, the complexity or, you know, or effort uh, in, in, in consolidated view as well, uh, on level one, level two, level three. Yeah. yeah, excellent, exactly. Yeah, I think One of the, the really nice things that you can do based on taking the step back and looking at the data this kind of from this cross yeah, cross process perspective is that you can take a different view, right, on the process, on reality. And with process mining, this is something that we can do. We can take different views, different perspectives, data based on how we look at the data. It's like yeah, we always say like it's like putting on your process glasses and you can Yeah, put them on differently to, to look at different dimensions. And um, while before we were kind of in the context of one process, we were looking, you know, at this one expense process. Um, yeah, taking this kind of top-down view can give us cross-process perspectives. And that's, yeah, that's also what we wanted to show you here today. So, Alex, you were so kind to bring us uh, some of your own, uh, some data sample, anonymized, of course. And um, yeah, we have three different views, right, that we want to share here with you to show what you can do. So the, the first one here is, um, yeah, it's a view. Uh, it's a, let's clarify. So the selection is just for employees um, 
who started and completed their contract, so had yeah. a termination of contract at some point in time? Yeah, uh, I, I have to apologize. I don't see the screen, in, you know, in, in the live stream, so I will have to go blind. Uh, but but yeah, if we're talking about employee journey, uh, as 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 we call it, so what we try to do is to analyze uh, all the uh, processes people experience throughout their life cycle as an employee mm -hmm. in the company. Therefore, we yes. have filtered uh, employees who have joined and. Uh, got fired or ter terminated basically they may, they may have been a voluntary exit uh, within the observed period uh, therefore kind of understanding which are which processes they were experiencing and how they've interacted with the system throughout the entire yes. life maybe to, just company. to make clear for everyone what we are looking at let's look at one case and if uh, i think alex maybe you can see again the 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 preview um, here. So there's, for example, one case um, where we can see, yeah, this is these are the steps, right? But it's, it's uh, yeah, like we just mentioned, but just to make really clear what we are looking at, right? It's not like a single request, like before with this expense handling process where you have a request which is finished, but this is really the lifetime of an employee. So it's anonymized. So case one, case two is basically employee one, employee two, employee three. And it starts with hire, um, when the employee was hired, but then there's all the other HR processes that are touched by this employee until the, the contract has been terminated, right? Is, is this, would this be correct, uh, Alex? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we take uh, employee ID as a, um, as a case ID uh, and mm -hmm. the, the process, the higher level process uh, as the activity, basically, we map it that way. Uh, and that just allows to uh, understand, again, using the same Uh, the same parameters, the number of interactions or number of processes, the how many yeah. times it repeats per employee in their life cycle, how long does it take, the duration of the process, um, you know, basically the frequency and the complexity of them all uh, as, a, as a guidance where we can uh, look for improvements, uh, really, yeah. either based on the higher frequencies, which means that, the, the, you know, these, are, these need to be seamless processes uh, as far as you're concerned, Or uh, high coverage, basically, the 100% ones, where you, you know, all the entire uh, onboarding lifecycle, there are compliance steps, which you want to make sure that well, this is a U.S. business, and therefore there are specific uh, U.S. events like uh, I-9, for example, like this, where you want to make sure that everyone is covered by that. But then you, uh, you see some, some anomalies sometimes that not everybody, uh, you know, requests time off, for example. Yeah, that's something we can see here, right? So if we zoom in, uh, we see a time time of 58%. So from mm. all the employees, only 58% uh, request the time off. Um, yeah, in their in their lifetime. Yeah, that's right? easy so, to do. Yeah, it's a system adoption. But, but it, it does pose uh, questions where you need to go in. Again, depending on the lens, you want to apply mm. either you're looking for compliance or improvement opportunities or streamline the, the journey. Uh, it will guide you where you need to deep dive uh, with the next step and uh, look what yeah. was happening inside. Yeah, yeah. And I do apologize. I apologize. We have we do have a little bit of audio issues. So, Alex, your your audio is uh, somehow coming uh, in and out a little bit. So just uh, maybe if you if there's a cable or something, you can maybe try to move it. So yeah. So let's see. But otherwise, I think we can. 
yeah, we can keep talking through these scenarios because it's it's uh, yeah, it's such an interesting perspective. It's like before we were looking in detail for the different steps, but here you start with this top level view, and each of these boxes is each of these boxes is one separate process, right? That the employee um, yeah touches upon. But of course, uh, and that's also what you have shown before, Alex, with the mapping to the APQC framework. You can also still look at the individual steps in between. So for each of those boxes, so for example, if we go here to the bottom, uh, we see, for example, termination. So that's the termination of the contract for for the employee. So it's just one box, but we can also, yeah, look into this box, if you will, to look at all the the steps on the on the detailed levels. And so we have this here as a as a second data set already. So you can see we are now inside. The, the contract termination process, which again has multiple steps, right? So of course, this is something that you can still do, but the starting point, right, Rudy, that's why we said the framing is different. We start from this top view, top level view with a different thinking, let's say how you select what you focus on. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives the top level view gives you a lot of insight and perspective of what your organization thinks is relevant, right? And yeah. the framework kind of pushes back on it a little bit to see, should it be relevant at all, right? Or do, did we position it in, in the right organizational structure, organizational unit, right? So yeah, the remark uh, the, of the, the yeah. reimbursement, it should be with finance, right? So, okay. So, yeah. so this is kind of a key uh, capability, uh, which is required to execute a particular framework, which is not in HR. And then all these resources are spent on, on the particular activity. And, that's yeah that that's that's nice but also from a customer uh, for in this case an employee journey point of view it gives an additional context of their experience and so if they get feedback as part of the process that it takes long or uh, a manager kind of complains i have an employee but he cannot get started because nah, the boxes are not checked or uh, he doesn't mm -hmm. have the past entry pass to get in to the building or these kind of things and then you can kind of see what happens as part of the process and where to start things earlier or where things don't work or where things break down. Uh, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah not, not as a complexity as every individual steps, right? But have a right perspective or right level uh, of the perspective. And that's also difficult to find, right? So if you want to look for an employee perspective, which activities should you include? And I think and now you can nicely map them to these activities without having to figure it out yourself, what you think is important, right? So it's kind of already specified or people have gone through the whole thinking process of, t of creating this, this particular level. And that makes things a whole lot easier. Huh? Yeah. You wanted to add something, Alex? Hello, please, please, much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, so there's there's one more thing I want to make sure we show because, um, yeah, I, I really yeah think that's another interesting dimension again, more this time from inside the HR department. But how do you organize the processes, right? And I think it's something that you touched upon a little bit before, Alex. But um, I think here it becomes really clear. So if we, for example, look at one of those. Um, processes. So now we are inside, we are still inside the, the contract termination process that we, we zoomed into this one box, which is now unfolded in detail. Now, if we look at some, some cases here, we see, of course, to perform the different steps in this uh, contract termination process, there's different steps involved, right? 
And it's, yeah, it's anonymized, so we don't see who it is, but we don't need to. We just know there's different people involved. And these people are not all um, in the same department. They're not all in the in internal HR department because often there's also... Um, Uh, the, the work is organized in shared service centers, especially in large uh, companies. And you can also look at an organizational perspective, like how are requests being handled um, across these organizational units? And that's the third view that you you brought us here, um, Alex, right? Where we yeah, can so see... that's the organization network analysis, yes. right? So there are yes. other tools but uh, which you can apply for that. Uh, but yeah. pretty much with the same data set, uh, just changing the, uh, the yeah. parameters. Again, changing yeah. the activity, basically. Yeah, what you yeah. Say it does. Activity. It does pose requirements on the on the data set as well, uh, because you need to bring in the role of the resource, not only the resource, but the role of the resource or, or yeah. department, or however you can arrive to that uh, dimension. But basically, that allows you to analyze adherence to your targeted rating model, because mm -hmm. it's all well and good to say that you know we want the. I don't know, in terms of termination uh, or higher, or what, what we were saying, uh, in, in, in terms of termination, for example, uh, it's either manager or employee, or service, uh, employee who need to kick it off. If it's voluntary termination, then the employee kicks it off. If it's um, uh, involuntary, then uh, people manager should kick it off. And uh, only then, in certain cases, it goes to HR uh, business partners, but mostly it's done by HR admin, for example. Uh, yep. which may not be the case. Uh, and you go and you, you're able to analyze that. Uh, quite often it uh, doesn't meet the expectations. So there, there are some uh, some nuances revealed. Uh, in this particular case, uh, surprisingly... Yeah. What, what can we see in this case? Yeah, maybe can, can you explain what we see in this case specifically, like um, in this picture? Yeah, this uh, I, I think you're, you're looking at the same. It's basically that the process always starts with the partner and partner picks up quite a lot of activities when you look at it. Uh, so the partner, the, is is that like the business partner? Is that the shared, shared service center that we talked about? or uh, the, uh, the partner is the business partner. If you're familiar with the, uh, with the say, Ulrich's business model where you have uh, COEs, uh, admin is going to be the shared services uh, center, the uh, the transactional uh, unit who, who actually are supposed to operate uh, the uh, all, all the details, process documents, and all the transactional steps. Business partners are the ones which are closest to the business, which are supposed to be doing strategic work, uh, should not be involved in the routines and in, in in the details, uh, but you know not uncommon uh, that they have to step in. They're they're the default. Uh, go-to people for uh, managers and for employees quite often because you know admin people tend to be remote uh, they're in, in, in remote shared service centers or somewhere somewhere like that and contacting you know it, it's not always handy for employees they don't may not feel comfortable uh, so they come and ask uh, partners for help uh, and uh, to, to do the steps instead of them effectively and that's what happens quite a lot Uh, they, they tend to perform employee self-service steps and uh, manager self-service steps. Uh, and, and that's exactly what you can see in this picture. Uh, the heavy lifting and the majority of the transactions is uh, is done by business partners, which theoretically in that model is most uh, expensive resource. Well, certainly was the case in that particular company. Yeah. And yeah. What, what would you expect that the manager would do it themselves, that they prepare the, the, the contract termina termination and 
then submit it to the administration to to administration, finance yeah. yeah so a lot of quite initial data entry so you would want to automate as much as possible mm. of course and uh, to minimize the data entry the the process should be kicked off by either employee or manager and go down to admin uh, for them to do the heavy lifting and the real really if you want to minimize uh, business partner intervention you, you you would expect them to approve uh, processes uh, as a maximum and maybe not even all of them but you know, a fraction of them based on certain criteria where a certain uh, reason is, you know, for higher termination is is, uh, is, is going on uh, or whatever the business criteria or a certain grade or a certain type of employment uh, or contract. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I think that's really, really nice example, like, yeah, taking these different three different views that we showed, but that's not all, right? You can take even, yeah, even, again, different views and coming at this analysis from this kind of bird's eye per perspective with the focus on what the goals are and this understanding of all the different processes that are involved and, of course, have a, yeah, have an interdependence. Um, yeah, it's, I think... Yeah, especially with with human resources processes, yeah, a very nice nice way to to look at that. Um, yeah, maybe before we close, is there something specifically that we have missed, Rudy, Alex, that we should talk about or maybe recap? Yeah, once more. Yeah. Should, should we take a bottom up or top down approach? Right. So that, that's kind <laughs> of the discussion. Or well, right? both. Yeah, or both. both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it shows the, how useful it is to to bring them together, right? Even when we started with the bottom up, uh, in the end, seeing like, okay, where do they fit? If we look at it from a top down perspective, not even all in HR, but some, you know, in finance, for example, yeah. it's it's instructive. Yeah, so so yes, so, indeed, so reflecting indeed. all these approaches are cross functional. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, so, so reflecting on that, so often what I see myself doing, if I want to have a quick result, right, so the bottom-up approach works really well. Uh, if I have some good data, then I try to work my or climb my way up, and then I get some results. But yeah, you have to be careful that there's more to be done if you also take the more top-level approach. Uh, uh, perspective, right? So if you don't connect to the strategic or the the, the 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 goals set by the organization, or even the goals which are above that, uh, then it's difficult to gain. I think in the, in the long term, uh, the actual value which is to harvest. And I think that's that's to learn. I think from this, and especially in HR. So that's. It remains kind of the question, uh, why is it so challenging uh, to apply process mining sometimes in HR? Uh, so why don't we see these abundance of use cases in HR? Uh, I think it has to do with this complexity. And uh, so where to start? What is the reference? Am I doing the right things? <laughs> If I compare, yeah. people want to compare to other uh, others, but they cannot compare apples with oranges, right? Uh, you have a nice example where if you compare countries, they are already different, right? And they have good arguments why they are different, right? So that uh, if you start benchmarking them, you find differences, but you can also not clean up these differences because they are there by law, by by other things. and. Yeah, but there's still quite a lot of uh, opportunity, both in terms of standardization and streamlining. Uh, and uh, in, in, in my practice, the biggest use case is actually discovery uh, of, of the process. Uh, because, because of the complexity, I guess, or because of the maturity of HR department as, as a function in many cases, uh, you know, the, even the target model is not defined uh, exactly. quite often. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they just don't even know. They're not, they're not 
at looking at, the, at what they're doing through a process lens. Hmm. Uh, and therefore, sometimes, well, quite often, this question is raised when um, when they try to implement a new system, then, then there is a really strong case to go back in the legacy system and flesh out the process which uh, which was adopted back then, which is, which is used right now, uh, and it's not documented, right? So usually you have to go through all these lengthy uh, and, and expensive and complex interviews and uh, uh, talk to the stakeholders who may not be really engaged uh, because they see it as a threat for their jobs or, or whatever, you, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, whilst uh, you know, process mining just gives you this nice perspective. Well, that's exactly the complexity which we've already ended up with. Let's look at it now. Where is value there? Because as we said in HR, quite a lot of complexity is driven by legislation and compliance requirements. At least we capture all of those steps, which we've learned through through all the previous experience in the company, uh, and, and this is a very good, strong uh, case. Uh, gives you a lot of information to move yeah. forward with the new. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's a little interesting thing because if you look at compliance, it's often done at a different part of the organization, right? So then it's the question, is it again still HR or is it more an audit type of compliance uh, initiative, right? So that's, that's yeah, also audit, something different. Audit is obviously another story, yes. Uh, and and I, I think at your last process in the mining camp, uh, there was a person talking about, uh, I can't remember the name, uh, but, but yeah, giving use cases from uh, audit, uh, applying process mining and audit function, which was, was really helpful. Uh, but even within HR, uh, there is a lot of uh, in-house kind of uh, adherence they need to monitor. Uh, but, but also, uh, as, as I mentioned, this happens when they want to change something. Uh, and, and these days, HR very motivated. To, there is a lot of talk about digitalization, about improving the customer journey. It does have an impact on uh, on, on on the business, right? Even so you you want to become more and more strategic, but that basically that means you need to be brilliant at the basics uh, if you wish. So all your transactional stuff should fly through uh, quickly, effectively, and timely. Timeliness is is another big dimension and another favorite topic. Uh, Disco does not necessarily. Uh, address that but but this is another very very important dimension uh, to to look for even more than probably in than finance timely paying invoices one thing but we've already discussed the impact timeliness of joining or you know a hire or termination has on all the downstream impacts and integrations and, and things like that very very important and that's why yeah. kind of uh, understanding the business rationale is, is 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 very very important that's where we start all the conversations, of course, is uh, understanding what's the perceived uh, problem, what are we trying to improve, improve, what's the objective of this whole exercise, what do you guys actually know already by now, do you have a target model, uh, is that something you want to check, If you know, um, pretty much uh, close to, to the project uh, methodology, which you would kind of, uh, love to explain, uh, and, and it's, it's very nice. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. What what this all shows is uh, yeah. Really, you asked the question, right? We don't see that many use cases, but there is a lot of opportunity. I think that's a conclusion we can draw for sure. There are some use cases, by the way. I think we can point to, for example, at the police. Eh? They're yeah. looking at three different processes from human resources. So we link that in the show notes. But in general, like yeah, we have discussed here um, in this session today. There's a yeah a lot of. Yeah, interest uh, at this point in time, but also a lot of opportunity in HR. And maybe some of you watching right now are inspired and we can just 
yeah, encourage you to try it out. Um, the data is really usually quite good and uh, quite suitable for post mining. And if you yeah, have any any questions or want to talk with us uh, or with 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 really myself or Alex about it, just contact us, and we can we can talk more. <laughs> so I think yeah, I think we we are at the end of of this post mining cafe. Thanks a lot for for joining us, Alex. It was really it was really great to have you here. Yeah, thank Thanks you for much. having me. Yeah. <laughs> right and um, yeah, so. We will be back with another Prosmining Cafe in a month. But most of all, again, as a reminder, um, Prosmining Camp on 13th and 14th of June. So put it in your in your agenda and yeah, you should see next week or the week thereafter. Everything should become available and you can get your ticket. See you, everyone. Bye.